I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. She's in a building, and I know they're trying to make it the new fucking Gilead, but there's no army. I know that. What there is is building codes and neighbors and a fucking city council, all right? And we can use those things to shut her down. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take a shifty little bitty eye over me. This is a refugee town, an overcrowded one. And any of us make trouble, people start getting thrown in jail shipped off a resettlement someplace else. We have to play by the rules, okay? And we can't do that other stuff without bad shit happening to a lot of people. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. I'm Fiona Williams, and when I'm not doing this, I'm Head of Curation at SBS On Demand, and I'm joined once again by my friends, colleagues, and fellow resistors. Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Heidi Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. And Sana Kadar, host of ABC Radio National's All in the Mind. Hi. Hello. Look, we are rocketing through this season of The Handmaid's Tale. We have just watched episode four of season five of The Handmaid's Tale, and it is called Dear Offred. It is written by JC Heldrick and directed by Dana Gonzalez. June works to overcome her violent instincts. All I can think about is shooting her in the fucking head and I don't know how to stop myself from actually doing it. Meanwhile, Serena settles into her new role in Toronto. Well, great news. Some of the other consulates have extended invitations. Seems that you or someone in your office has declined them on my behalf. And Aunt Lydia helps Janine with her recovery. Believe only and she shall be made whole. Please stop talking about the Bible. My legs don't work. All right, all right. So we go a lot of places in this one. Uh, Where do we start? What stood out for everyone? Let's go around the room. Sana, let's start with you. What stood out for you this week? My highlight was Janine and Lydia and Janine having an Mm. absolute go at Lydia. She said all the things that Lydia needed to hear that we needed to hear Lydia hearing. (laughs) Um, And it was just she had no fucks left to give in that scene. And it was pretty epic. And we sort of see the seeds of how Lydia starts to change and become a different kind of person in Gilead. So I thought that was epic. Yeah, no, I was there for all the truth bombs being lobbed by Janine. I see you. I see who you really are. I've still got one good I remember. (laughs) I mean, I laughed a little bit. Like, she was really landing those lines. It was very, very good. Uh, And if you haven't heard it yet, we have our interview with Madeline Brewer, Janine herself, in your feed. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go and listen to our um, half an hour deep dive with Madeline Brewer to get all things Janine. Yes, I was very much there for that myself too. Haiti, what about you? What stood out this week? I really loved that nudie cover of Fleetwood Mac's The Chain that Mm. played over the 
the sequence at the end of the episode. It was such a fantastic cover. And did anyone else pick up? It had like a heartbeat rhythm underlaid in it. That was reminding me so much of the kind of, you know, the Adam Taylor soundtrack that comes, you know, in every episode of The Handmaid's Tale. So I thought that was uh, a nice little gem at the end. Yeah, it was really good. I'll have to go and look up who recorded that version of it because it was fantastic. And Natalie, what stood out for you? I really liked a petty moment by Serena, which was when she was quite upset about the colour of the stationery. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping someone would bring up the (laughs) accru. Yes, because, you know, we see so many big moments in the show and so many big conversations and it's always so much fun when you just see these little moments which tell you so much about their personalities and that was so (laughs) Serena wasn't it you know like she doesn't have that much control at the moment but you know she is going to make someone feel the heat for having the wrong shade of stationery. (laughs) I loved it. Very good attention to detail Serena. (laughs) Absolutely I mean you know June's coming closer and closer she's on the doorstep literally but no it's all about them not having a crew it is all about appearances for Serena so fair enough that she's she's worried about that I actually really hope that whoever receives that is judging her for the color of that (laughs) oh she went with eggshell Mm. (laughs) I mean she should have paid more attention to the building codes apparently too but yeah let's go with the invitations (laughs) um good one as for me, well, again, I've got two, but, uh, well, first of all, sexy times. We've got some sexy times with Luke and June and they're enthusiastically consensual. Thank God we don't have to <laughs> navigate that this week. But, no, it was great. And aside from that, the way this show is flashing back on itself this season, we haven't had a flashback that's pre-Gilead. It's not so much a flashback but it's more mm-hmm. it's a nod to the second episode of the first season where, remember, Hannah got snatched? And Mm. there was that strange woman at the hospital. I just feel like the opening moments of this episode sort of alluded to that with that weirdo at the playground bothering June, knowing way too much about Nicole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Estimate is she 14 months old. But, yeah, I guess it's just the showing the age of Gilead that we're nodding to their flashbacks for us now as audiences because we've lived through, through this for years. (laughs) That's interesting. The flashback that stood out to me in this episode was with Serena walking towards the car as Twello's leading her. And it reminded me of like the final scene in the end of season one, right? Where June is heading to the car, not knowing if she's going to freedom or to a worse version of hell. Whereas we have Serena here walking to the car thinking she's off to freedom, but she's going to some fresh hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's got her own weirdo to, to <laughs> contend with. She does. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a nice top and tail, I guess, of the, the two things in the episode. But um, let's move forward on to this opening. So, you know, June very distractedly pushing Nicole in a very half-hearted way. That poor little kid's not getting much of a swing on. But, I um, mean, she looks like every mother ever at the playground, maybe. <laughs> Except she, she doesn't have a phone out. I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just as well. She needs a wits about her with those people on the loose. 
That was a dreary looking playground as well. Could they have made it look any less appealing? And the, the play equipment was teal coloured. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, was it? I was yeah. like, really? stop, oh stop it, guys, stop, stop it. <laughs> I'm starting to hate the colour. Um, but like the first thing that we hear is that creaking mm. sound. Yes. And it's very, it's very horror-esque, which is mm. like, yeah. I'm not very good with horror films because they actually really do scare me. Um, so I'm highly attuned to all of those things, you know. So already like it was sort of like, just that, just that sound was already preparing us that something's not going to go quite right here. That's interesting because um, at the end, we also, the end credits go out with the burning sound, so which is a kind of another horror sound in a sense, right? So they opened under the end credits with the creaking and finished with the burning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well spotted. So this, I get, you know, they're showing... They're everywhere. Gilead is is in Canada. The borders are very porous. So the terrible interaction gets an outsized response from June that they then talk to in her actual therapy with Luke. She and Luke going to therapist. It's, it's not quite her therapy circle. You know what's so great about this is that last season we kept saying that June needs therapy. Oh, my God, <laughs> June needs therapy. And I remember Bruce in his interview with us was like, most people don't get it, but I do quite like that. She is actually now getting therapy this season, but it's not very helpful. <laughs> the advice that she kind of gets given is just not great. Yeah, they're looking for strategies to contain her anger monster and basically be t- being told that's not really going to happen. It's futile. <laughs> the therapist is actually nervous and almost like afraid. Like she says about like when June says that it got physical with that woman, and the therapist is like, was she all, all right? <laughs> Thanks, lady. I mean, fair question. She did tear Amanda pieces, so I guess you just need to know exactly what you're dealing with here. But, uh, yeah, but also it, it struck me the, her response is that, you know, infertility takes a tremendous physical and psychological toll, especially in these times, and extreme responses like this woman's aren't uncommon. You're right to be on guard, which is interesting, but it's also wrong because, like, the woman did say she had two boys and basically she wanted a girl. So I thought it was an odd response. I wondered about that too. Like it made me wonder if, um, did the woman lose those pregnancies? Like, which is something we didn't hear. Oh, I mean, how would the therapist know really? Yeah. I I was confused by that as well, actually. That's actually, that's actually the moment where I remembered what had happened in the first season. That was Mm -hmm. like the, the, the triggering moment for me where I'm like, oh, that's what happened to June and, and Hannah when Hannah was born. Um, and then I kind of went back and rewatched that whole scene. So did I. Um, with that fresh in my head. And I'm like, oh, of course. But I also clocked that, you know, we've been, we've mentioned a few times that fertility hasn't really been acknowledged in Canada, like in the fertility issues that the world is experiencing. So I did kind of clock that this is the first time we've actually had someone in Canada, well, that I can remember anyway, mm. someone in Canada kind of acknowledge the fertility issues that are that are happening there in Canada. Yeah, it happens a couple of times in this episode with Serena talking about Venezuela and just the, you know, mm. Gilead being the, the only country that's showing positive birth rates, yeah. Yeah, I think we needed to see that because we are talking about that last week, how it doesn't really get mentioned in Canada. And I'd been thinking about it and recalling that Treason and Coconuts chat that Tuello had with Serena all those seasons ago and he said that like the science has improved so it almost kind of made it sound like maybe the reason why Gilead was started in the first place is not really relevant anymore Mm. so I do like that we're now Mm. realizing that no this actually is still really a big issue for not just 
Gilead, but for Canada and for Venezuela, apparently, which kind of gets thrown under the bus, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder about that. What would the Venezuelans watching think of that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, Germany, too, is going to get a basket for something. I don't know what Germany did, but they're getting a fruit basket from <laughs> Serena. <laughs> and just on um, fertility issues in Canada and whether those are happening, I mean, that playground was very empty. I don't know if that was just That's the true. cold keeping the children at bay or the fertility issues. And mm. squeaky. Yeah, hadn't been, uh, maybe hadn't been used in a while. Yeah, well, good, yeah. good call. But yeah, that, that like stuck with me, that, that line from the therapist. And, you know, I like that we did hear that that woman maybe had two kids too. I like that the infertility is not necessarily what is making people crazy. <laughs> Just, you know, I, it's <laughs> nice to, you know, I have a vested interest in this too. So yeah, it's, it's it's just a strange time and yeah maybe there's just a impulse to being terrible people yeah and I think also like there's this growing movement of Gilead supporters that is maybe being underestimated by the general population in Canada so the therapist is assuming this woman must have had fertility problems and that is what caused her to act out but in actual fact maybe she's just you know one of the women out there holding candles every night you know in front of Serena's place totally wishing that she lived in Gilead yeah, and she's slut-shaming yeah. June. So, yeah, like it, it's not – I don't think that was the motivation. Treating her like you would a handmaid. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and, of course, here Luke is saying, how do we know that she won't get physical again? In the end, she does get physical. She finds a way to, <laughs> to, to work through those impulses, shall we say. And next minute she's <laughs> digging a gun out of her front yard. So. <laughs> 100%. Didn't have to dig very far, but yes. <laughs> yes, and she's doing that because obviously Serena is out. So the detail is that she has rejected asylum and she's got no diplomatic status and she's restricted to Gilead-affiliated properties. And she makes the point. I'm not an American citizen. My allegiance is to God. As did the nutbag in the playground. Yes, they're, they're not. Yeah, it, it's a higher higher power they report to. They don't feel bound to country. It, it's God before country. And she's got a new protector. Blessed day, Mrs. Waterford. I'm Ezra Shaw. Blessed day, Mr. Shaw. It's nice to meet you face to face. Ezra Shaw is the mm. new character we're introduced to who, to Wellow side eyes a little bit. <laughs> the actor is Rossif Sutherland of the Canadian Sutherland, so, you know, okay. son of Donald and half-sibling oh. of Kiefer. And, um, what? Yeah. Did not know that. So, yes, Ooh. Canadian. But, yes, so he's her new security, you know, a guardian kind of uh, Gilead, Gilead sanctioned, takes her to her new home upstairs in an information centre, which bland doublespeak that we get this across this episode of education and information <laughs> and they're slapping dulux wifely teal blue all over those walls <laughs> so it's kind of a blue center in the way that Lydia's is the red center so they've kind of got their that's funny you say that because that establishing shot of the building and it's this kind of weird old and new uh, kind of smashed together yeah. and, and the new part at the front looked to me like the red centre that gets, you know, bombed in the second oh, season yeah. of The Handmaid's yes. Tale. And then the old part of that building has this big red door in it that's The Handmaid's Red, which I'm pretty sure is the door she exits out of at the end of the episode. So there was a lot oh. of, I think, a lot of references going on in the architecture of that building. Yeah. So that was pre-war property that was handed back to Gilead for... This cultural centre is what Tuello ends up calling it when he's, <laughs> he goes to deliver the bad news. He's always going to deliver bad news. Not quite an embassy. Yeah, exactly. Not quite an embassy. But, yeah, he, he's doing his standard job of having to go and 
be the get the messenger who gets shot at um, Luke and Moira and June's <laughs> place. So Luke gives him what for for being so close to Hannah and doing absolutely nothing. Um, June yeah. calls him such a fucking disappointment and he says perhaps her expectations are unrealistic. Toello at this point is just getting like shoved out of all sorts of properties, isn't he? <laughs> but on Ezra, my first thought about him was I didn't trust him in a way. I sort of thought he's got an ulterior motive here. I don't know if he's fully an agent of Gilead. I felt like there's a backstory oh. there. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I was picking Ooh. up on, but I felt insincere his performance as a you know, mm. guardian or Gilead person. Yeah. I mean, I just got the sense he's obviously reporting back to Joseph. So, you know, maybe she shouldn't confide in him fully, but, uh, you know, he's her. I wondered if he's like a double agent type. Like he's definitely reporting back to Gilead, but I wonder if yeah. he's doing something for the ICC or for Canada or America. <laughs> oh. I I like your optimism. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm giving him way more of a character development than he's ever going to get, but who knows. Yeah, yeah. I thought that he was very supportive of Serena, almost kind of caring as her protector, and part of me is wondering if that's all going to turn around because we keep seeing Serena on retreat, you know, like she was retreating yeah. last episode and we see her in retreat a lot in this episode and he's there supporting her. And I just wonder if at some point he's going to turn and and she's gonna she's gonna feel Gilead and he might be the enforcer. And then uh, anyway, so I was sort of wondering as well where is this where is this relationship going? <laughs> mm. Yeah, we don't have a huge amount to go on this episode. Let's be honest. But yeah, he's delivering her to these strange new randos at the end of this episode. <laughs> but um, so yes, yeah, so when Luke and um, June and Moira realise, well, Serena's out. Um, but it's funny how much Tuello. And June makes the point, you know, he refuses to see the threat that she yeah. is because she doesn't have yeah. a passport, she can't drive, you know, it's mm. like these limits on her powers, but she didn't have those in Gilead anyway. I find this so interesting because, like, like those, the opening scenes of June in, like, um, seeing the therapist and being really concerned about her own mental state and it's like, is June unravelling? But partly, like, she says things and people don't listen mm. and so she's been warning about Serena and it's like, Tawella doesn't listen, you know, and the fact that he can even say, you know, that don't worry about her because she doesn't have a passport and she doesn't have a driver's license or this or that. She has no status. She doesn't have a passport. There's no money in her name. She can't even drive a car. She's limited. But she doesn't need any of that stuff. She's Serena, you know, she will find a way around, but like no one else is getting it. And then Luke, I think, despite all that he's experienced and heard, underestimates her as well you know it's like did you not listen to June so yeah so I was really feeling for June and like I thought you know what she's really worried about her own mental state but at the same time like everyone around her is not really helping yeah 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 there's only so many times you can say to people before you have to just take (laughs) take it into your own hands um and Luke's being very practical and helpful and trying to trying to get her on the building codes Mm. I guess thinking you know like they got Al Capone on tax evasion he can get (laughs) Serena Waterford (laughs) on building codes or something but you know whatever works well Luke always wants to like fight through the official channels doesn't he and and June always wants to you know break out and go rogue so he's very much 
in that mode for <laughs> most of this episode. Most of it. But I love that his efforts actually work as most. well, right? Like yes. it's not just silliness and Luke being, yeah. you know, ridiculous. Mm. It's it's actually he has a point and it works. Yeah. And I guess it's, you know, it's showing them as a formidable team mm. and, they you know, they are back in sync now. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Like it, it actually he had a point um, yeah. and, and June sees that too and that she is sharing with him, you know, she does Tell him everything. I did go to try and blow a head off. <laughs> um, only the gun seized up. They're being very honest now. <laughs> yes, yes, it's healthy foundation. The lines of communication are open. Some of the therapy must be working. Therapy <laughs> has been good, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, of course, you know, her first impulse is to go to the front yard and dig up that barely buried <laughs> weapon. June's going to June, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, and head to the Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> Which that was, by the way, one of the lines that I liked in this episode was when Serena was standing at the window and worrying about her visitor. Ezra says, I can't stop her from driving. But if she sets foot on the property. Right. I understand. And <laughs> I yes. thought, yeah, you can't because you're not in Gilead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if you could, though? We know that. <laughs> so, it's, And then from there we go to Janine and Lydia, as discussed, with Janine lobbing the truth bombs there. But, you know, it's very telling that Janine's response to Esther's actions is a really empathetic one. It's, Mm. I told you, you know, she's a damaged child and she lashed out. It's not, you know, if anyone should be feeling a bit resentful about being on the receiving end of yet more abuse, it's Janine, but she's got a really empathetic response to what was underlying all of that. Lydia's got a way to go on that, you know, her her Mm -hmm. teary... pleased to her god last week she's she's working on it but she's not quite there yet her empathy doesn't extend to esther a girl so wicked that she would kill her own sister deserves his retribution baby steps i was so glad that janine as you pointed out sana just said all those things that needed to be said and it was um yeah like they're kind of becoming my favorite dysfunctional couple in this show (laughs) and um yes and janine has clearly been holding that in for a long time and she's never had the power mm. to be able to say that. And I still don't know that she has it. I think she's saying it as a woman who is kind of, she's unwell, like she's quite sick and she's sort of at like her lowest ebb in hospital. And it's just like, yep, I, I, I just can't, I just can't handle this. So she's going to have a go at her about taking out my eye and about sending me to the colonies. And she's finally saying all of these things. I don't know yet whether Janine can keep that up once she's out of hospital and healing. Like I I assume that their relationship will settle back down again. I don't think Janine's going to be the one that's going to keep putting Lydia back in her place. So I'm just going to really appreciate that scene because I don't know that it's going to happen again, but it was amazing. (laughs) Yep, savour that one. (laughs) And then, of course, we're back at the Blue Centre, let's call it, running out of their crew and Joe is on the line. Incoming call on the secure line from Commander Lawrence. And he or someone in, it's him, it's him, has been declining (laughs) invitations from other consulates. So Serena's being invited places. Uh, And also it's interesting she calls them other consulates. Like Tuella has made the point that it's not, it's nothing diplomatic. But, uh, yeah, she sees it as certainly she's in a consulate. As in she's calling the Gilead Centre the consulate? Yeah, yeah. Well, other consulates have been extending invitations that someone in Lawrence's office has been declining on her behalf. And that's where we find out about... um, Venezuela, and they've expressed interest in some of our more successful female education programs. That's the second time education programs come up because Lydia mentions it as well in the with Janine that, you know, she educates the girls. So all this diplomatic mm. doublespeak <laughs> across this episode, it, it's very telling. But that's also, that's just like 
fascist double oh, speak, totally. right? Yeah. Like I'm mm. thinking of like re-education camps yeah, in yeah. certain parts of the world, yeah. right? It's yeah, it's a bit of that. Yeah, too. oh absolutely, yeah. Well there's definitely like an element of, you know, Lawrence, you know, declining these invitations to just remind Serena that she's kind of she's kind of just there as a puppet, just as somewhere to put her, and they don't really need her to be doing anything. And Serena's kind of convincing Lawrence in that conversation that no, she, she can offer some effective soft power that you know, could actually help his goals, his political goals. And he seems to be reconsidering there. So there's a little bit of to and fro, but it seems like she will get the opportunity to actually interact mm-hmm. and, and do something on behalf of Gilead. Mm. Can we talk for a moment about Serena's pantsuit and pussy bow blouse, her ridiculous outfit, (laughs) totally playing at being a working woman, Mm -hmm. a modern woman of the world? I found that hilarious. I don't think we've, apart from flashbacks, I don't think we've ever seen her dress quite like that. Like we we had her in modern clothes um, in in prison, but... This little pantsuit outfit. She went down to Ann Taylor Loft and got decked out or something. Yeah, no, she's playing playing businesswoman. Yeah, she's mm. a um, you know career gal now. So I, I enjoyed that too. Yeah, the outfit with Luke. I also noticed she was uh, mixing up her teals with some browns, which is also the color that mm. June's landed on as as her kind of alternate to the Handmaid's Red. And actually, was her suit black? It was a very dark color. I'm not sure what it was. It was a color we haven't. I don't think we've really seen. I think on the her pants before. were black white shirt and a teal jacket I think when June mm. when um Luke came over and a boot <laughs> we need to get the this year's um costume designer on yeah we'll we'll analyze Serena's uh work and girl outfits yeah there's like another scene there where she's got a scarf on it and it's a like a check of the teal and a brown that's very sim- similar to the coat that June's wearing in the episode I was wondering about the yeah twinsies mm. so who's the Martha that's charged with dressing her. I was wondering about the brown that June's been wearing because it's a bit like an aunt colour, isn't it? And um, and the aunts, I think, have always, Lydia to me has always been dressed kind of like um, a general commanding her army. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I've quite liked seeing, like I'm so glad that June's no longer wearing that red coat because I couldn't stand seeing yeah. her in red anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, yeah, she settled on brown when that, and it feels very kind of military to me. Yeah, mm. it was khaki last week, but yeah, you're right. It's a it's a brown. It is like an art brown. You're right. And Serena makes the observation to Joseph that June is stomping, stomping her, her feet, feet like, like a child. child, posturing. That child has been known to misbehave badly. Oh, this was so great. I love this yeah. so much. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Stay focused. <laughs> mm-hmm. Avoid her. And so what does she do? She takes one of those Ikru or non-Ikru invitations and, uh, yeah. And addresses it to Offred, yeah, like, you know, talking about words and if they, like, matter or not, whether it's an embassy or whether it's an educational facility, words have been really important to Serena this episode. She's using them carefully. So, like, yeah, the fact that she said Offred on the the envelope rather than June. Like, honestly, what, like, a petty move, really, you know? (laughs) Jerk move. And when she has that... um, conversation with Luke and Luke calls Hannah Hannah and she replies and calls Hannah Agnes you know so all of these Mm. all of these things are adding up yeah yeah all these little petulant games then we have June complaining to Moira about Tuello not believing and that um, Luke has forgotten that none of this shit worked the first time so she's going on about him and his building codes Mm -hmm. and Moira's making the point you know this is a refugee town and it's an overcrowded one and we have to play by the rules because it's not worth losing your family over because you could lose your second daughter 
I think that raises a really good point about what is, is June focusing on the wrong thing? She's just obsessed with Serena now, but how is that going to help her get Hannah back? It's almost like she's focusing on the wrong thing. I wonder if she feels like getting Hannah back is an impossibility. In the back corner of her mind, she's like, you know, felt that. And so she's like, who's the person I can get? Serena. I'll go for Mm. it. Well, Moira does make the point that it's not nothing that now she does trust June to Mm. be in the same room as Nicole. So there's growth there and that, you know, June isn't always a rage monster because Moira would be onto that and she's she's more relaxed in June's presence now. I did wonder what had changed for Moira because just before that scene, June's throwing that glass across <laughs> the room and, you know, like she's still got rage monster going on and I was like, so what's what's changed that all of a sudden makes you mm. okay? I mean, I'm not afraid of June being in the room yeah. with her, I but I just wondered with Moira. What I feel like maybe changed. last week's episode of like being out in the world and seeing the way that... Uh, you know, when, when when they met the May Day and, you know, Moira, was, they had uh, a bit more time together, they had the car trip, you know, all that. So there was maybe they right. had a bit more time together that they hadn't otherwise. But anyway, also it's been okay. a period of time because Janine was in hospital and now she's getting out. So I oh, guess there's true. been a passage of time as well. Yeah. But uh, and then so Luke is on his way to see Serena to negotiate. He's trying to get leverage. He's attempting the Gilead way of getting leverage and trying to, you know, he actually appeals that we can forget the building codes if Serena helps them get Hannah. So that's, he's not very good at it. I was so <laughs> embarrassed for him. Like I just, yeah. like the secondhand embarrassment I had, I, yeah. I, like, I had to press pause, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> just to sort of wow, deal with really? that. I was just so oh. mortified for him to like, to just take his little building codes into Serena, like a lamb to the slaughter, you know, it's oh, kind of like, like little- oh folded up piece of paper it was all crinkled <laughs> and he had to get like patted down again just because Serena yeah. asked it was all very undignified <laughs> yeah so were, like so like a few times in this episode He's trying. I thought yeah. it was sweet some people just get given gifts you know and so like when Serena rings Lawrence um to complain about the invitations and he just gets to toy with her for a bit and then I'm sure he hangs up and feels very good about his day and so like Serena is just sort of sitting there and then like Luke gets to come in and she just gets to toy with him for a bit you know and like and that's just kind of sport for her and he was not up to the task no but I mean it's all bravado with her as well I mean you know he is saying my wife is going to kill you and I'm going to let her. And then he threatens to kill her as well. But we we don't think Luke really has it in him to, to do that. Don't know. But, yeah, she, of course, plays the Nick card just because she can mm-hmm. and it lands with him. So, yeah. But you can tell us a little bit rattled at the end of the scene. Mm. This is a really important scene, though, I think. Mm. Look, partly I was actually kind of grateful for Serena like because Serena is afraid of June because she respects her, you know, like she knows what June is capable of. And there she's looking at June's husband who is not in the same league in that sense and she's seeing it and she actually tells him that, you know, like basically says, you know, your wife would like, you know, look what she did trying to save your daughter and what have you been doing? Mm. I think Luke's going through a moment, you know, um, and I think this might be one of those pivotal conversations which is pushing him down a path to do something. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we are working well, up to something, aren't we? Yeah. You know, and you know, he confesses, he, he gets the murderous impulse, like he gets the rage monster impulses, but he's just never really had the means. So he doesn't, he doesn't have an outlet for it where June's more than proven herself capable. Yeah. So he very much did not judge her for killing Fred. Um, he let her off the hook, you know, emotionally as well, which was important for her. So yeah, they align at the end of the episode on them. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Serena's probably, well, she definitely underestimates him here in this episode yeah. because Luke does make her homeless by yeah, the yeah. end. Mm. Um, so who knows what else he's going to be capable of coming yeah. forward. Nice try, Luke. Um, <laughs> and then we're off to Lydia and Joseph. And this one, speaking of truth bombs or just, you know, that no one's pretending anything anymore. Yeah. So Lydia, no doubt inspired by her interaction with Janine, is trying to shake things up and, well, you know, take the handmaids out of the houses because she saw firsthand what that creep did with the chocolates to Esther, what Warren Putnam wants to do to her. She's also decided rape once a month is acceptable yes. rather than multiple times a month slash day slash Yeah, week. exactly. But also, I mean, that was basically the idea of the Magdalena colony, wasn't it? So it does, it's not a revolutionary idea. I mean, they weren't at the Red Centre in that plan, but it was a place where they would keep the unruly handmaids and then they'd... Maybe they were like the second-class handmaids yeah. there. I don't yeah, know. I guess mm. it was like the colonies but, you know, more accessible. A step above. Mm. But, yeah, obviously... No one's going to go for that because we all know why the handmaids are in the houses and it's not because of the once-a-month ceremony. That's Yeah, that's what was fascinating about Joseph Lawrence in that scene. He's always, like, twisty with his words and this time he was speaking really plainly, which was the commanders like having their handmaids easily accessible and they want kink and they want to get their rocks off. Like, like yep. Lydia cannot leave this conversation still <laughs> fooling herself <laughs> that she is sending off the handmaids to do God's work, you yeah. know, like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the double speak elsewhere in this episode, this, this scene is single <laughs> speak. Like the, it's, it's <laughs> see it and say it. He, he's calling it out right. They Commander? want those girls in their homes accessible anytime so they can sniff the air after they walk by or do whatever the hell they want, get their rocks off. These are pious men. They need a little kink. You know that. So, you know, Lydia tried. That didn't work. So another conversation that she sort of needed to have and needed to hear mm-hmm. that's going to turn her further towards her testamenty ways, mm-hmm. shall I say? Or no? No, I won't say. <laughs> um, yeah, her, her vow to change, yeah. And it's funny, that comes right off the back of the Luke and Serena attempt. You know, he's trying to convince her and that doesn't work and then Lydia goes straight in to try Joe and that one doesn't work either. So they're back-to-back scenes. But then we are, Serena's there for her photo shoot and I'm sorry, but there's no natural light. <laughs> She's not allowed near the window to get the, get the shots. This shoot struck me very much as it's meant to be a headshot that she's getting, but it looks like a mugshot to me. She's even turning to the side heaps as she's like listening to the crowd outside. It just struck me as like, I wonder if we'll see this photo again when she's, you know, done something bad and captured or something. It just, oh. yeah, I, I got mugshot vibes from it. <laughs> yeah, it's also not a headshot. She's got to get that belly in. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. A whole person shot. Yeah. And uh, of course, she hears the commotion outside, and that is her true believer's. Getting really nasty. Moira gets punched in the face. Oh, my God, Moira gets punched in the face. Like, what? How could they do that to her? I was very upset about that. Yeah, so, you know, Mr. Piety. Do you need a man to put you in your place? I don't see any men around here, so. Get the fuck back where you came from. Hey, man, she came from America. What the There is no America. Dude, take it easy. But, of course, June pulls the gun. June's packing heat, of course. The gun's thought out now, I guess, so she fires a warning shot into the air. But you you can lead this one, Nat, because you had some theories about use of the gun in this season. Go for it. Oh, yes, you did. Well, yeah, 
Thank you for pointing out my failure, Fiona. I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my prediction that, that of course, that you did not come wrong. true, um, which I said that she would use the gun to protect Serena. And so... Well, I she, think not shooting her in that moment. <laughs> yeah. That's generous. That's a very generous interpretation of protecting. I did say that I didn't think June could ever hurt a baby yes. and um, and she did have to face that because she finally got her moment to be in front of Serena with a gun. That's, you know, I, But, like, she did actually get to that moment and realise that she hadn't thought this one through for a woman who actually does a lot of strategic thinking. Yeah. Hadn't really thought this one through to go, okay, if I actually get a gun and I actually get to shoot her, am I going to? And it's like, look at her. Are you really, like, you know, like I think we all knew that June was never going to shoot Serena. I did find myself wondering in the moment where June had the opportunity to shoot Serena and she didn't. Obviously she'd come to that moment expecting that she would shoot Serena and then I couldn't quite tell if it was a decision not to or she couldn't. Because mm. I, I, you know, it, it, I did find myself wondering, you know, yeah, Serena's pregnant. She's about to have a baby. Maybe June's just decided, I can hold off. I can resist for now. This is not the right time, but not mm. forever. Or if it was like a moment where she just realized, I can't actually do this. This isn't yeah. in me. Because I feel like it is in her. She's ripped totally. apart Fred. Like I think it's yeah. in her. So I, I. I think it's her making a decision not to at this point. I don't know that it is because now, Fiona, that I've read your article where you had that interview with Elizabeth Moss. Thank you for bringing it up. (laughs) (laughs) And she talks about the relationship between June and Serena and how they are kind of like the love story. Hmm. I can see why June can kill Fred, but I'm not sure that she does have it in her to kill Serena. I think that their relationship goes deep. You know, I actually, it's funny talking about rewatching things. I do wish that I went back to rewatch what you and Haiti rewatched, but I went back and um, and rewatched the scene at the um, memorial where they have their kind of breakup moment ah, where yeah. they have that mm. to remind myself of um, of that sort of relationship that they had, and and I think yeah, and as your article pointed out, that was the time when June's heart got broken by Serena. So mm. I don't know, I don't know that she does have it in her to kill her. <laughs> Haiti, I'm with I'm with you. I think she does have it in her to kill her. <laughs> and I think she chickened out in that moment and probably is kicking herself a little bit. I mean, yes, she doesn't, doesn't want to kill the baby, but also there's no guarantee she's going to get another face-to-face moment with Serena with a gun in her hand. Yeah. So, I think she I think she has it in her. <laughs> That's my take. Yeah, I don't know if she'll have another chance regardless of whether she has it in her or not. I I did wonder if that was her moment and maybe it's not going to come up again. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Well, I mean, Mm. she says to Luke in the car, you know, just because I didn't this time doesn't mean I won't next time. But, yeah, it's like who is to say there will be a next time. Yeah, I do think she's talking the talk. You know, she definitely wants to, but in in the moment, yeah, she can't. Yeah, curious. But before we get to that moment in the car, Lydia is in the red wagon with uh, Janine on the way back to the red centre and they have a quiet moment before the Guardian gets in, Um, you know, and and Lydia is speaking candidly back, we think, in that she should have listened to Janine about Esther. You know, she's been thinking about it. This is obviously coming off the back of the conversation with Joseph, that Janine understands the girls in ways that Lydia can't, you know, and she wants Janine to tell her when she spots that someone's struggling and... Yeah, Janine rightly says what, so you can do something horrible. But Lydia says, I want to do things differently and address any problems early, 
with more compassion. But good Lord, that word sticks in her throat. <laughs> it takes her a while to actually spit it out. She's going to be a mental health counsellor now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants Janine to help shepherd the girls um, to keep them on God's path and way to make Janine culpable. That scene for a moment made me not feel better about Janine being back in Gilead, but understanding why she needed to come back in like sort of the Handmaid's Tale universe Mm -hmm. because she had to come back to be able to change Lydia by telling her what she needs to hear and and setting her on this path towards being a little bit different. So because up until now, I've been thinking about Janine as like just the most tragic character Mm -hmm. that gets all the bad luck and like here she is back in Gilead while June's off and away. And now I'm sort of understanding what role she might play and why she, you know, quote unquote had to. I don't think she actually had to, but, you know, what good is going to come of her potentially coming back? That is so nice. I'm so glad you said that because we were thinking that last year about poor Janine, you know, <laughs> like mm. she's always suffering. And then to end up back in Gilead again just feels like we don't want to see her suffer anymore. I'm so glad that you've just found a nice way of looking at that. Like a silver yeah. lining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has to be worth it, you know. Cold comfort for poor Janine has got to live it. But, uh, yeah, for us. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. wondering last season if, Janine and Esther would become a little bit of a, a power duo in the in the world of the of yeah. the handmaids and the aunts, but um, it does look to be shaping up like that power duo might actually be Lydia and Janine, which is yeah. exciting. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> but yes, as I say, do listen to our chat with Madeline Brewer, and we also have an endowed interview. In the works, uh, we've got one, that one we can drop. I I feel like maybe it's best place to put that one as a standalone episode and, you know, I know a few of us have read the Testaments and we can maybe have a bit of a Testamentsy chat with and Dowd, talk about a few things, some theories, and, yeah, so I think probably best we put that in a, in a standalone episode. So look out for that one coming soon. Not there yet, but, uh, but yeah, we'll let you know when that one drops. And if you haven't read the Testaments, go and read the Testaments because there's so much to talk about. <laughs> we're holding back. Exactly. We don't know we how know, much to say. For people who haven't read. We know that there's going to be a Testaments, uh, you know, series after Handmaid's finishes and we've got to get from one place to another in the next season and a half. So there's a lot, a lot I want to discuss. Yep. Yeah. And of course, we've got an episode on the Testaments. We've got a whole book club episode. So go back and find, read the book for starters and then... Listen to us, recap it, all the feelings, and then just keep doing what you're doing. Keep listening to us and then <laughs> listen to our and out episode. So there you go. And we'll talk unguarded from there on. <laughs> Absolutely. And boy, does she. It was great. And we're almost done. We're, I think the next part of this episode is when Luke and June are in the car on the way back from her lack of an assassination attempt. Yeah, this is so Bonnie and Clyde, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's raining. And that's where Luke gets the call that the chief inspector, who lost a sister in Gilead, mm-hmm. is shutting down the building because of all the violations. Uh, so Serena is homeless. And they're both very impressed with what the other knows about guns. June's watching YouTube videos and <laughs> they're both doing a couple of power poses. And, <laughs> yeah, one thing leads to another. They're, they find a way to be physical without threatening someone's life. <laughs> yeah, they head on upstairs, the chain plays, and um, then it's intercut with Serena going yeah. to this weird gated mansion, meeting Alanis, Mrs Ryan Wheeler, what is her story? Gosh, that house could just be anywhere in Gilead, as <laughs> yeah, could yeah. that woman. 
I love Serena's face in this final scene. Oh my God, it's gold. She's like, fuck, what have I got myself into? What am I going to do yeah. here? <laughs> it's kind of amazing. It really is. And I mean, she's going to take your baby. <laughs> Maybe. It, it's, it's Putnam under another name, I think. So yeah. Yeah. Alludes to Ryan Wheeler. I don't know if we've heard that commander's name before, but... um. I'm very curious to see how Serena plays this, whether she can manipulate her way into wielding some sort of power in that house and doing her Serena ways. But, yeah, right now she's like, I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> she's on the back foot again, you know. It's sort of they're, they're playing a back and forth June and Serena, aren't they here? Like yep. one episode, Serena's up. One episode, June's mm-hmm. up. And it's just going to revolve until the last episode and we'll finally see who's on the other. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, Serena, the, her introduction to that household, not knowing anything about it, it's how a handmaid gets introduced to their household. Yeah, the, exactly. the wife, you know, is, is celebrating the fact she can have a child. It's Isn't it? It was so much like a handmaid mm-hmm. arriving to mm-hmm. a house mm-hmm. and the wife comes down to greet them. She's yeah. left alone in the mm-hmm. foyer. And like yeah. And the wife kneels down in front of her to like did she like kiss her belly? Is that what she did? She did yeah, something. I think so. yeah. Which has raised the question of um what is going to happen to Serena's baby when she eventually gives birth? So is this what they're shaping up for? Is Because someone, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to someone on Twitter who did, who sort of said there is no way that um, Gilead is going to let Serena raise that baby as a single mother. And so to that person, I agree, you know. So mm. what, does that, what does that mean then? So are we looking at a situation where Serena's baby is going to get taken from her and are we now seeing the wife who's most likely going to be the recipient? Or will... She finds someone who can match her on the diplomatic stage, yeah. I think we're going to meet Mr Ryan Wheeler at some point. But, yeah, face. <laughs> it's what is going on. Lovely match to the opening scene with June and the other uh, unhinged person at the playground. But then <laughs> yes, yeah, June is burning the ecru- well, not ecru, <laughs> um, <laughs> eggshell. announcement. Invitation. Yes, eggshell. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, announcement um, card. In a fire pit, very dramatic disposal. Could have just chucked it in the recycling, but no, it's a very good way to get rid of that. So, yes, and obviously the lyrics are never break the chain. Yes, they are bound to each other there. You know, they're both moving on, but are they? (laughs) Never. (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah, very enjoyable. Yeah. So thank you for listening. We hope that helped. We're off to stock up on all the ecru so Serena can't get her hands on it. <laughs> also probably put a bit of WD-40 on the playground equipment in Canada. <laughs> so we now wait for episode five, which is the halfway point of season five. Can you believe it? Oh, wow. New episodes premiere on SBS On Demand Wednesdays and they screen on SBS Thursday evenings. So thank you to my co-hosts, Sana Kadar, Natalie Hambly and Haiti Island. And thank you for listening. It is so good to be watching this series with you and we're loving your reactions to new episodes as they drop and as you watch along with us. And before we start to call out a couple of the good tweets, I have a fact check. I have a full disclosure. You did call me out on it and fair enough. Keep us honest. For some reason I called the ballet Swan Lake. I sound hounded it. It was Sleeping Beauty. Yes, it was. And you're right to call me on that. So, yes, I was wrong on this one leg. So ah. you can stop with the tweets now. But <laughs> 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 but someone but yes. did actually, um, they had a nice theory about it, which oh, yeah. is that the Sleeping Beauty was actually referring to Hannah, almost like she's some sort of sleeper agent or something in Gilead. Oh. Like, 
anyway, so one of our listeners found meaning in that and thought that it referred to Hannah slash Agnes. So mm. I like that. I'm lo- like, I love wild theories because we sort of put our own out there. So <laughs> please do the same. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've made Ezra a double agent this episode. <laughs> totally. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Who needs a reason? But that's a good one. Um, and someone else spotted <laughs> the jewellery box from back in season one. Remember? And there was a ballerina in, in the jewellery box way oh. back when. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. Deep dive there. Well done. But yeah, we're absolutely loving your tweets. Remember to use the hashtag EyesOnGilead. You can find me on Twitter at AnythingButFifi. Haiti, where can we find you? At Haiti Island. Sana, where can we find you? At Sana underscore Kadar. And Natalie, where can we find you? At Natalie Hambly. And yes, use that hashtag Eyes on Gilead. And while we have you, we're loving the reviews you're leaving as well on your podcast apps. They do help other people to find the show. So thank you so much for listening and for rating us and saying nice things. We're, we're very flattered and we, we love that you watch along with us. So Handmaid's Tale episodes are dropping weekly. So, you know, we like to also give you a recommendation of something else to watch at SBS On Demand as you have that impatient wait for the next episode of Handmaids. There's a series that is also dropping weekly, The Australian Wars, which is an incredible SBS original documentary hosted by filmmaker uh, Rachel Perkins. And this one is an essential documentary. You have to watch it. It's it's interrogating our history of, of Australia. So it's looking at the frontier wars that were waged between the colonials and the First Nations populations of Australia and it's telling a side of history that just does not get told and Rachel Perkins brings a very personal perspective to it. She asks really practical probing questions of you know why do we not know about this and for for a nation that you know we pride ourselves on the Anzac spirit and then invoke war in so many ways in the national conversation that, um, yeah, it, it's a real mystery, but it's also not a mystery, but it's a fantastic documentary. So highly recommend that. So that is The Australian Wars. Yeah, it's it's such a fantastic series and, you know, should be a compulsory viewing. And that's now streaming at SBS On Demand. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your property So take your dirty, filthy, stinking eyes off me I'm just going to hang out in here for a while Sounds good, Mama Mama